are listening to Rogue Table Talks. Here's Mike. And here we are again. Rogue Table Talks, number 124. Um, we kind of missed a week. Uh, last week we had um, uh, we had some some other stuff going on. Uh, we had uh, I was traveling, but then also sick. I had the flu, I think. I did get COVID tested, so I was clear on that. Uh, hmm. But uh, you know, I was kind of out of it you know, for a while, and uh, in really no shape to uh, to have a rogue table talk uh, with anyone. Uh, <laughs> table cough. <laughs> yes, rogue table talk cough. Um, and uh, yeah, it's interesting that uh, I haven't, you know, I hadn't been sick in so long. Um, you know, uh, pre-COVID. I can't even remember, really. It was the last time I even just had a cold. And then, of course, COVID strikes, and we're all socially distancing, and we're all, you know, washing our hands and wearing masks. And then we get, um, you know, vaccinated and, you know, kind of moving along. And you kind of forget that, yeah, you can get you can get sick other ways. And uh, so that's what happened to me. I got, uh, I got sick other ways. Uh, and... Uh, but now, but now here I am, I'm almost a hundred percent, uh, recovered and, and who's really hundred percent anymore. Uh, ever, who's ever really a hundred percent. Who's ever really that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just kind of did a little shout out last week and then here we'll pick up, uh, in Galatians three, but I did, I did get a little chance to travel, uh, in. I was slept during part of that time, but, uh, you know, Nancy did have some fun, uh, with friends without me. And then we went into... Uh, we were at uh, Table Rock uh, Lake, and so we had a little fun there, and then went to Bentonville, Arkansas. Have you ever been to Bentonville, Arkansas? You know, I think I have, from Table Rock. Yeah, it's a nice town. It's uh, fun. It's got, you know, museums and and fun things to do and uh, all of that. So we visited some friends there for uh, a day or two. Um, so we got a little vacation, and we, originally we were going to go to New England, but with COVID and everything, and everyone start started, uh, you know, needing tests like to get into the state of Maine and stuff. We just kind of were afraid we test positive, and that would be that. We'd be out all that money. Yeah. So, as it yeah. turned out, I got sick anyway, and it would have been I would have been sick, so <laughs> it would have been no fun. Um, but we're back. Um, how was your couple of weeks? Yeah, it was good. I was on a longer travel week uh, last week. Um, so got a lot of work done in South Carolina and uh, stayed through uh, early Thursday morning, uh, but it was good. And then came home and did a lot of stuff with the family in the last weekend. Did the Fright Fest at Six Flags. Oh my! Um, yeah, uh, uh-huh. took my took one of my kids to an Avid Brothers concert at Lake of the Ozarks and got oh, it was wow. outdoors. So got drenched. Oh man! For the first hour, and then they came out. So we. They didn't finish a show. They were supposed to start at 7. They didn't finish till 11 p.m., so we got home at 1.30. Wow. Wow. So it was fun. That sounds like it an adventure. It was yeah. adventure, and they are incredible in person. In the yeah. middle of their set, they just there's they're, they strip down to just three of them, and then they play their own version of Just a Closer Walk with Thee. Mm-hmm. Just like this old hymn. Yeah. 
bust yeah. it out, and then they yeah. moved to their other stuff. It was they were so good. Yeah, yeah, I love them. Yeah, I love them. Uh, so uh, good, good, and so now we're we're back at the grind, and uh, we are going to put. We're talking about the gospel. We're in the book of Galatians, uh, and we're entering Galatians three, and um, Paul's kind of. Um, kind of landing the plane of an argument he's been on for a little bit here. Um, returns to kind of where he started uh, about how he can't believe they've, uh, they're messing up so bad, basically. Uh, Galatians 3, starting in verse 1, Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that those of faith, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Okay, so I'm going to stop there. <clears throat> So there's a couple things that that I think are probably interesting for us uh, to talk about when we talk about the gospel, because I think it's hard for us to talk about the gospel and not be limited to just salvation. You know, the work of Christ on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin, our accepting that by faith, God's grace applying Christ's righteousness to us and taking his sinfulness upon him that whole thing, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, you know, played out in becoming a follower of Christ. Um, but, you know, Paul kind of appeals to a couple of different other things here that are also part of uh, living according to the gospel. It's necessary uh, that we live this out so that, he says here, um, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, or you're not being perfected? the flesh so this idea of the spirit you know once we enter into this relationship with god through christ we receive the holy spirit by faith and then there's a transformative process that really kicks in and then is a lifelong from there that where we are formed in the image of christ we are you know whatever he means by miracles because i you know i'm not quite sure what those might have been there but to be transformed into Christ-likeness is a miracle. You know, it's not just a metaphor because it's something only God can do and only does by the Spirit. And trying to do that by keeping the law is just not possible. It's not, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Spirit uh, transforming us and living according to that Spirit is a necessary part of the gospel. And that's, you know, where we are being transformed. It's far beyond just the transaction. It seems like he's reminding them of something that they may have forgotten. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm just trying to parse out, like, how does this show up in our own lives today? I mean, I think that's for the, you know, we've talked about they wanted to, uh, they were influenced by you need to be circumcised. It was, you know, you receive the gospel, but you have to do this. And I think it's, for us, it's not as, 
it, obviously it wasn't very obvious to them. It seemed it was so kind of persuasive that they bought into it. So it's probably going to feel the same way that there's just an attitude of, okay, well, yeah, now you got saved, but the rest is up to you. You know, now you came to Christ, but, you know, you're going to have to make this happen. And this attitude of, well, now in order to get God's favor or to get God's love or to get God's ability to transform, I, I have to add to it by keeping the law or something. To me, this is partially where we go wrong with spiritual disciplines because I do think spiritual disciplines are uh, necessary for Christ's likeness, but not necessary as in, you know, they become the point. Not right. necessary as in, they they become, I think for many Christians, this is where maybe we fall into this trap, like the Galatians. The spiritual disciplines become the measuring rod of Christ's likeness. So if I you know, read my Bible and pray and give and go to church, then there's a guarantee that I'm going to be, then, then, well, not even a guarantee, then that means I'm like Christ. Like, that's just what, mm -hmm. there's this undercurrent. It's And if you say it out loud, well, of course, people might think, well, I actually don't agree with that. But we, when it's not said out loud, that becomes the operating narrative. Um, I was looking at a children's catechism the other day and catechism is just simply like a question it's a it's a tool for question and answer to teach children doctrine of theology and one of the questions was how can you uh, become a better christian like how can you become a better christian and the answer was by going to church uh telling others about jesus praying like those things right and i thought well Again, it's not less than that, but that it cannot, it, it has to be more than that. Because I know a lot of people that go to church and pray and t maybe tell us about Jesus, but they're some of the most angry people I've met or mm -hmm. critical or fearful or whatever. And it doesn't seem that that's equated to growing, you know, as it says here with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think it, I mean, and again, it's, there's sort of an understandable element to, okay, now this, this huge, pivotal, crucial change has happened in my life. And now I need to live accordingly. Now I need to live in accordance with this new identity. And so far, so good. That's actually true. It's just, we obviously can't do that by trying to keep the works of the law. Like we were, we were, um, brought into the family of God, we were adopted, we were justified, all by God's work through the Spirit, then we can't, having having started there, we can't then say, okay, I'm going to take it from here and do good works. Um, you know, the only way to be transformed is by the operation, by God's moving in us, by the power of His Spirit. The forms of that, how that often works, is Bible reading, prayer, you know, works of service, generosity. You know, those are forms by which God can transform us. But if we are to be transformed, it's only by God's work in and through us and not because we're doing the right things. And I just think that is so, it's such a paradigm shift 
that even if we get that and understand it, and it's so easy to slip back, like Peter did, you know, in chapter two, it's so easy to slip back into the familiar, these are the actions I'm going to take. Because in one, in, one, in one version of that, I'm dependent, I'm not passive, but I'm dependent on, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling and dependent on the Lord to transform and the other one, it feels like I'm more, eh, I'm more in charge. I'm more in control. I'm more, well, there's right? A, yeah, you are in control. And that's when I was preaching on this, that against that catechism a few weeks ago, I just said, I don't, some people are very self-disciplined. They do not need the Holy Spirit to wake up and read the Bible. They just right. don't. There's a lot of people that read the Bible that don't want anything to do with God. And they don't need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to make it alive to you and to make it applicable to your life and then to live it out. That's where you need the Holy Spirit. Um, but a lot of people are very disciplined people. So let's let's talk about transformation as something that you can't do in and of yourself. That's, that's you know, right. and some we, and some we, people are not disciplined people. They do need the Holy Spirit to wake up and, you know, do something. Yeah. But yeah. they also need the Holy Spirit to be more loving and more gracious and kind. So <clears throat> I think another way this shows up, and we've talked about this before, just like when you see legalism in Galatians, you in in a lot of churches and Christians' mindsets, they're the worst case. Uh, this kind of goes to this trajectory, but you know what you wear can determine if you're a good Christian or not, and uh, the kind of movies you watch or don't watch, or music you listen to or don't listen to, uh, or if you're if you have teenagers and do they dressed modestly or immodestly like you, it, these things make you a good christian or a bad christian um uh who you hang around with and we've talked about this before hmm. you know who you who you're willing to associate with well you know you're you're you know believe this obviously because you're hanging around these people and it can become this um criteria for whether you're faithful christ follower or not and, and that's a trap we can all fall into i think yeah, and I think some antidote to that is some regular, I mean, a good spiritual discipline, if this is, if you feel like this is resonating with you, <clears throat> might be to look at a couple of passages of Scripture on a semi-regular basis, like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that, that's the fruit of the Spirit's work in us, and those are the things that name you know, Christ-likeness, that love is patient, love is kind, that love keeps no record of wrongs, which, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're horrible at that. Uh, and, and not just, oh, I wish I could do better. I mean, that's great. I wish I could do better too. But that it's impossible really to do that well or transformatively without the work of the Spirit. You know, having begun with the Spirit, I can't go back to some sort of work of the law in order to be more like Christ, in order to love, in order to forgive, you know, my enemy. Um, it's just not possible. It doesn't matter how disciplined you are. You can be disciplined enough to do the disciplines, but the dif- disciplines can't work. In verse 10, mm-hmm. he, he says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. Uh, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So it's just, if you're relying on works of the law, 
you are under a curse. It's not possible. It's not something that uh, that you can do. It is something that is, uh, you know, it demonstrates that there's a there's a curse that that demonstrates that we we're stuck. We can't do anything about. It. We you know there's nothing like we're cursed. You know <laughs> we're cursed. Uh, and yeah, and I, I don't, I don't think that means like God, you know, is out to get us. I think it's our own relationship to, you know, our expectations. The curse is that I've set a standard of perfectionism that I think if I can attain this, uh, this will grant me quote unquote salvation. And by salvation, I mean, if I can attain this, I'll be at peace. But I can't, and I know that. And so there's this tyranny of relationship to myself. The curse is that I can't live up to it, and I'm my own worst enemy. I've set the standard. That's where the gospel sets us free. It it destroys that standard. You know, it destroys the standard because Christ has become the perfect sacrifice for us to do away with us trying to keep the law perfectly. Mm -hmm. And that frees us from that curse. Um, so this seems to be a big paradigm shift, you know, it, it, it's probably a paradigm shift for Hebrew, you know, people of God who kept the law and went to the temple and all that stuff. And, uh, I mean, it sort of, of course it is. Um, but Paul sort of subverts that whole thing by also saying, Hey, this was the plan all along that, uh, you know, the whole the plan all along would be that as Abraham demonstrated faith and righteousness was was accorded to him because of his faith, that's like the only way you can get righteousness. Like there isn't another way. You know, all of the law is all points to something bigger, and it's always been the case that you know people of faith are the sons of Abraham. That uh, in verse 14, the last verse in this passage, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. That, hey, this is, this is the way it's always been. That it's always been God's plan that God has to work in our life by his grace. He has to make a provision for us and he has to lead us to that provision uh, and give us the faith necessary. Uh, by his grace to respond. And that's always been the way it is. It's not like, yeah, you used to be able to be okay by keeping the law. And that's kind of what we think. Well, in the Old Testament, they just had to keep the law. Well, in the Old Testament, they tried to live according to the law, but you can't be righteous that way. This is not a new thing. This is the thing that it's always been this way. It's just not possible. It was never possible. So somehow I have to believe that these provisions of the law, I don't understand how, I'm going to do them in faith and God's going to do something in them to make a way for me. And that's the way it's always been. And I, I don't think we think of it that way. Usually that we think this is a man, it's a whole new thing now and we don't have to keep the law anymore where it, you know, in a sense, the law demonstrates God's righteousness in some way and we never could keep it. In the, and nobody could keep it. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's a false paradigm. So what, I don't know. What do you think of that? That's one of the things that struck me in this, in this passage. The relationship to the Old Testament? Yeah, that that <clears throat> yeah, that this is not some you know, you know, the whole trying to keep the law thing, that didn't work out. 
you know, that turns out people can't do that. So that's a bummer. So we need a new way, right? I I mean, I don't know if people think that way, but that's sort of how we approach it, right? Well, that's how that just kind of reveals people's understanding of relationship, Old Testament, New Testament, like, yeah, they were supposed to keep the law and that's how they got right with God, but obviously that didn't work. But that's just not true. And the reality is the paradigm that you see in Exodus, which is how what Paul does to show it's the paradigm he uses to show what Jesus did on the cross, which is rescuing from a tyrannical, you know, oppressive force, which was Pharaoh for the Israelites and Egypt, rescuing from them regardless. Like, they didn't even, uh, they cried out, but most of them are not faithful Jews in Egypt. They're polytheists. You know, they're they're right alongside the Egyptians. Maybe some of them are monotheistic, but most likely not because of the, you show's, you see this with how hard it is for them to be faithful to the yeah. one true God, even after right. the rescue. But they're rescued first before the law is even introduced. So the rescue comes, and it's sheer grace, and it's it's someone stronger than them uh, to defeat something stronger than them, and then rescues them. And then comes the law, but it's not a way to get uh, righteousness. It's a way to maintain healthy proper Mm -hmm. faithful relationship it's a it's a map for here's how we it's kind of like um your marriage vows your marriage vows didn't get you you know they didn't get you to the altar your love for each other did Mm -hmm. you're choosing each other did Mm -hmm. but your marriage vows is a way to maintain that healthy faithful relationship yeah and that's what the law was um the reason we have christ is because we were still under the curse by by our own heart, our own heart trying to to form this uh, the formula that we that we've already talked about. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, like if we could just do what we were supposed to do, then yeah, Christ died for no purpose. You know, if we, if we could just live right without the power of the Spirit and the transforming power of the grace of God, and then yeah, we wouldn't need the gospel. Um, and I think we know that, but it, it does feel sometimes like um, there's a minimum maintenance, um, you know, program. Uh, and I just, mm-hmm. that's, there probably, there probably is, but that's just a really bad way to think about it. It's like thinking about your marriage with, you know, a minimum maintenance program. You know, yeah, there's mm-hmm. probably some minimum amount if you don't do, you're in trouble, but that's just a bad way to think about it. Um, we are to be transformed. We are to be like Christ. We are to be loving. We are to be brave and courageous. Uh, you know, we are to have joy and peace. And all of the, you put it that way, it's like obviously we can't get those by ourselves. But that's that's the thing. There's this uh, passage somewhere, I think C.S. Lewis is answering a question in an essay, you know, posed by, uh, an unbeliever opposed by a reporter basically is, you know, can you be good enough? You know, can a good person go to heaven? Um, and it's a really interesting essay because, you know, at the end of the day, he says, A, you can't be good enough. It'd be like trying to climb Mount Everest without, you know, oxygen tanks and, and all that and ropes. 
Like, it, you know, let's say you could do it, though. You know, you're probably going to die on the mountain. You, you probably can't do it. Um, but you get to the top of the mountain and you discover that's not the point. The whole point is that we, re- we are to receive wings and we are to fly. Hmm. And so we think good enough and acting good enough is the goal. And it's, it's, that's not the goal. The goal is, so if we understood the goal, like, obviously, I know I can't grow wings. Like, I, I have to be given them. I have to be transformed. And all of the sinfulness and selfishness and smallness has to be sort of ripped out of me, uh, either over a lifetime or when I'm dead or whatever. And I have to be transformed. I have to be made like Christ. I have to be given power. I have to be, you know, if I, if I can conceive it, that's what, that's what Paul's telling these Galatians. Now, you can't get that by trying to keep the law. It's the, you've missed mm. the whole point. You are to be transformed. You are to, you're not trying to climb Everest without ropes and oxygen. You're trying to fly over Everest. I mean, that's, you, you must wait until, yeah, you know, by faith, God gives you wings to go where you could never have gone and do what you could never have done and have an impact you could never have had. And it's all his, him, and it's all his glory, and it's all his work. Uh, and I just think I like we can make it, right? That's, we can make it too small. Well, we make it too small, and it just, it completely shatters our categories. Um, it's like, it's like the prodigal son and his brother. This is the way to the father. I do whatever I want, or this is the way to the father. I do whatever I think the father wants perfectly. And, and Jesus says, both of you are wrong. Both of you are lost. Right. The, the, and it's 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 a whole different you're in the wrong conversation you're in the wrong framework you've showed up to the house with all the wrong tools and you need completely different tools uh, new framework new conversation sure go ahead and climb to the top and then realize this wasn't even the point you're supposed to right. be flying now what right yeah and now what yeah, yeah and it, I think that's the sense in which Paul says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Like, it seems like you understood it at some point, and how did you begin to think that climbing Mount Everest was the point? Like, what, how did that happen? I'm, you know, I'm astonished, he says. Um, and I think that's what we can do. We can, especially if we get better at climbing Everest. That's the temptation, right? We get better at climbing Everest. We get better at climbing without oxygen ropes. And it's pretty easy to say, well, I'm doing well. And this is the point. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I don't want to say it, but I'm Or, or t- tomorrow. Yeah. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow right. I'll get it. I just, you know what? Yeah. Got to work harder. Yes. Uh, and so that's the thing. If we understood the point of our lives is to be a part of this huge sweeping story where we are transformed. We are part of a people that's tasked with the transformation of others and the world around us. And there's no way we can do that by trying to be good. I mean, yeah. try to be good, that's fine. It's just not the route to anything, you know, it's just not the route to anything transformative. Uh, and so, um, probably should, let's leave it there. I think that's a good place to, <clears throat> we say land the plane, but, if, you know, to get wings and to go live to in go. a way that we only can do if we have God's spirit that's the whole, that's that's the goal of the gospel uh, and so let's live by his strength let's be transformed 
let's fly. Uh, grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks. Be sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen and on our YouTube channel. Just search Rogue Table Talks.